the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, it is a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and there's a lot of news going on today. Two main stories in Washington, D.C. One, Title 42, about ready to uh, be dropped and uh, opening up our border, literally, literally just pulling down any wall of any kind that would keep illegals from coming into our country. Uh, had a, a a phone call from the president of Guatemala yesterday that nobody in the White House would take, saying trying to warn them that were, there were eighty thousand uh, Venezuelans coming out of his country for our borders, and so uh, in just a moment we'll be talking to Congressman French Hill about what is just about ready to transpire on the southern border, as well as. The uh, Speaker of the House met with the President yesterday. President, playing as stupid as he always does, says, uh, you know, the, that uh, the United States is, is not a basically a debtor nation. You know, we're not going to go, uh, we're not going to, we're going to pay our, pay our debts. It'd be nice if his son would do that for his own child, but it doesn't happen that way. All right, let's go let's go visit with the congressman. He is with us in Washington DC and I got to tell you what uh, congressman, this is the worst I have ever and I know it's the worst you've ever as well seen the border and it's going to get nothing but worse. Dave, good to be with you. Absolutely right. You and I've talked about this consistently now for almost uh, 9 years and this is the absolute worst condition we've seen the border, even worse than <laughs> the summer I was running for election back in 2014 when Obama faced an incredible border incursion. Um, and this is why the House Republicans are bringing to the House floor this week H.R. 2, which is our border security plan that we committed to America that we would bring to the House floor for a vote. It continues, restarts all the wall construction that we had funding for. It reforms the asylum laws, which is the most I think we can do at the border, Dave. Uh, truly, this credible fear definition and where you sit in order to have an asylum claim, this is what drives this fuel of people across the border. We also address um, how we handle kids. Anyway, it's a good package. Uh, we're debating it right now this week, and I hope we vote on it before the end of the week. I had Hannah Davis on yesterday from the Heritage Foundation. She talked about uh, this House Bill number 2 uh, that you all will be voting on tomorrow. Uh, she kind of walked us through about what it what it is, what it does. And it sounds like to me, you know, this is putting back into place a lot of things that were working 
uh, and doing what they were supposed to do along the border. And yet, as soon as you guys started talking about voting on it Thursday, the president of the United States stood up and said, I'll veto it if they pass it. Yeah, this is because, I mean, Biden uh, destroyed the Trump policies the first day he was in office, like he did on a lot of things, on energy and on taxes and on spending. But he did this on the border. He took away all the Trump policies that Trump had experimented with over four years to get to work, tackling exactly that. The wall construction technology, the asylum reforms, uh, Trump created the remain in Mexico policy which immediately stopped a lot of these people coming from Nicaragua thinking, oh, I can get in the United States because they'll let me. Well, we don't do that. You're not eligible for admission to the United States under our asylum laws. And so by remaining in a third country, which is what that's called, that keeps these people from being released into the United States and never showing up for a hearing. So you're exactly right. Biden screwed up something that was working, put in place by President Trump, and this law goes back to those things that we think were the best of those policies and, 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 and would put them into law. Well, let, let's talk about a couple of things that I've heard recently and uh, see what you uh, have heard as well. I've heard that there have been, there's been a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, grapevine talk that a lot of the Central American countries are going to empty out their jails and going to bring their prisoners and release them into the United States of America, uh, a la like it happened back in the 90s with what happened with Cuba. Do you see that happening again? I see uh, all that is a possibility because of the fact that we have weak governments and governments that are even hostile to the United States, like in Nicaragua, for example. Uh, but there are countries trying to do the right thing in Central America that, you know, don't want to do that. But ask yourself, who has escaped uh, Venezuela, you know, uh, you know, are they all good people or not? And so bottom line is we have challenges. We have uh, record numbers of human trafficking, record numbers of drugs, record number of people caught on the border that are on the terror watch list. And all this is because we have a broken border with bad Biden policies. Hey, Congressman, it's Jimmy. How you doing this morning? Hey, Jimmy. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, hey, we talk about opening the floodgates of letting people in, but along with that comes the fentanyl. I think we're yep. over, the idea that, that the Democrats want to do would open the gate for, for the flood of fentanyl, which is already an academic proportion. Talk to us about the resolution that you guys are putting forth to not just regulate the asylum and people coming, but how is that going to help us prevent those drugs coming in? Well, uh, we're trying to uh, potentially uh, take action with the cartels and, and declare essentially fentanyl as a, as a drug poisoning, that it's a, you know, it's a mass effort by the cartels and that would put them in a different category, but we need Mexico's help. And this is why, we miss uh, President Trump's uh, relationship with Mexico, and Biden has absolutely made no effort to work on an interdiction inside Mexico against the cartels and the fentanyl smuggling. I mean, we need to stop the fentanyl compound from coming from China. It comes from China. It comes into Mexico where it's made into pills. The pills are put in plastic bags, uh, tens of thousands of them, millions of them, and then they're smuggled into the U.S., uh, through ports of entry, uh, mostly. And uh, 
So I think declaring war on fentanyl and the cartels and getting Mexico's cooperation is another key component of uh, this bill. Yeah, is there? We hear about uh, what what's happening with Venezuela. We got all these people down in Central America from Venezuela. What's our intelligence telling us about other countries as well? What are they telling us about people from, you know, Asia, from Africa that want to come across our border? Do we have any feel for that at all, Congressman? We do. We have a feel from the reporting that comes from the border from Customs and Border Patrol. And, I mean, it's like the entire United Nations. This is the thing I noticed when I made my first trip to the border as a member of Congress in 2015 and I, I discover the people in line at Tijuana that stretches seeking asylum, the asylum line. These are people who have credible fear of being prosecuted allegedly in their countries. They're trying to claim asylum in the U.S. Hundreds of people long, Bangladesh, Pakistan, other places in Asia, Central Asia, Afghanistan. Well, how in the what's the deal? Well, they have flown into Mexico. Somehow they've got money, a plane ticket, come into Mexico then flown to the Tijuana airport from Mexico City, thrown their documents away, and walked across the border saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just a poor guy who needs, I'm going to be killed if I stay in my country. And so it's an entire United Nations. And the thing I think for people to recognize is, sure, mostly it's Central Americans or South Americans, but we have people from all over the world, including people from China that we've uh, interdicted, and many people don't have documentation, and they're all seeking asylum, which under the Biden administration means they're released into the United States awaiting a court date. And this is the part of the program that's, that's not working and is hurting our country financially and hurting our country from a legitimate legal point of view. And that's what I thought President Trump, it was one of the most important decisions he took was creating, and it was had cooperation of Mexico, the remain in Mexico or another third country to apply for asylum. And by the way, for the people who are listening who think that the open border is fine, that's what our law says. That's what our law Mm -hmm. says. It says that if you seek asylum in the U.S., you shall be detained by the federal government until your court date, or you may wait in a third country, period, full stop. And what the president has done is waive the detention. That's what the, that's what's happened here in our country over the last 15 years. All right. So we got these people to come on. We were talking to Hannah Davis, as I told you yesterday. She's yeah. a she's a real expert on that's immigration. And she made the statement uh, that it looks like the war against this influx that we're seeing is going to be uh, fought on the state level. Uh, do you believe that's the case as well? I think you're seeing that. I mean, I think you're seeing the state of Texas, for example, spending really several billion dollars a year in helping enforce our federal international boundary, something that's the obligation of the federal government. And likewise, I think you're going to see states do the law enforcement, but they ultimately have to have the cooperation of the U.S. uh, federal law enforcement in order to take action. And that's what makes our law, H.R. 2, that we're trying to pass this week so important. So if H.R. 2 passes, will you be making a trip back here uh, to Arkansas to talk to lawmakers here about what they can do to help stem this uh, this huge tide 
that is building along our southern border? Absolutely. And I would encourage our our legislative body uh, and our attorney general and our governor, you know, to consult with Texas and Arizona and New Mexico about what policies they've tried to put in place, because Arkansas is going to, you know, receive more than our our fair share uh, of this burden. There's just no doubt in my mind because we're a southwestern state. All right. We need to take a break, uh, Congressman. When we come back, the number two topic on everybody's lips, the debt ceiling. Maybe not on everybody's lips, but at least on mine. And we'll talk to you about it and see what's going on and what the uh, what the uh, the chairman is telling you guys, uh, the Speaker of the House, and what he's uh, passing on to uh, you know the the caucus. We'll talk about that when we come back. A break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Debt ceiling up right in front of us here on one hundred one one FM. The answer. All right, down to about eight minutes left with uh, Congressman French Hill. Don't forget, we'll have Congressman Bruce Westerman coming up at about 7.35 here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Congressman, yesterday uh, we had uh, McCarthy and McConnell both in the White House, in the Oval Office, talking to the President of the United States. He doesn't seem to be able to put two plus two together, does he? No, it was sad. I mean, let's be really frank here. Chuck Schumer in the Senate, the Democratic leader, does not have the votes to raise the clean debt ceiling. If he did, he would have done it months ago. Joe Biden has no plan. That's clear, except for spending more money and imposing more regulations on the U.S. and raising taxes on people. That's his plan. It ain't working. So the only person, the adult in the room, is Kevin McCarthy, who went to the White House. February 1st, saying, let's work together. Let's have a sensible and responsible way to raise the debt ceiling, but curtail spending and regulations and go back to pre-pandemic strategies. So the budget, focusing on balancing the budget. And and Biden did nothing for 100 days. And who is the only person who's passed a bill to raise the debt ceiling and control spending? Kevin McCarthy. And yet they're trying to blame Kevin McCarthy. It's a joke. So what they committed to yesterday after about an hour of visiting at the White House is that they would meet again on Friday and they would ask their staffs to work together in preparation for that meeting. But I would remind people who uh, your Democrats listening that in 2019, President Trump, uh, you know, had to negotiate with Nancy Pelosi because she had the votes. She could raise the debt ceiling. And uh Trump didn't want to do this or didn't want to do that. They were forced to negotiate. And you don't, no one even talks about it because no one even remembers what happened. Uh, that's, you know, that's the irony of this under the precise same situation. An opposite party president working with an opposite party speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got that. You got all of, of, of this going on right now. And the only thing we hear from the president of the United States is that I will not be held hostage by what the Republicans want to do. Yeah, it's just stale, dumb talking points that are meaningless. 
Yeah. We could have resolved this months ago. And the person who's drug it out made no steps forward is Joe Biden. Of course, he has trouble taking any steps forward. So that is uh, uh, that's both metaphoric and physical. Uh, but uh, the, the bottom line is that uh, McCarthy uh, has a plan. The president doesn't have one. And hopefully we can get them together this week and resolve this. Hey, Congressman, a lot of talk about Joe Biden doing a lot of chest beating, in my opinion, talking about the 14th Amendment and, yep. and using yep. this. Explain to the folks, if you can, what yep. that tactic is and why it's going to fail. Yeah, uh, fantastic question. So the 14th Amendment basically says that uh, the debt is, uh, you know, uh, uh, sacrosanct uh, and that uh, we should use our resources to make sure that we handle it in the, in the right way. That's no surprise to anybody. We're not going to default on our debt. The problem is that you, there is no – it's a gimmick. There is no way to, quote, impose the 14th Amendment and make anybody do anything. It would immediately be litigated. It's not a practical solution. The only responsible and sensible practical solution would have been on February 1st to work out a deal with uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy. And certainly, since uh, we passed the SAVE uh, Act a few weeks ago, uh, Biden the next day should have said, okay, you passed your bill. Good work. Congratulations. All right, let's get together and, and put together a sensible program. Yeah, but that's not what he does. No, of course not, because he doesn't have any sense. And he's getting terrible advice from Chuck Schumer, terrible advice from Chuck Schumer. Do do you think he's actually willing to go off the cliff? Do you think he's actually willing to shoot the hostage? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. I really don't. And Janet Yellen, who's the Treasury Secretary, is not demonstrating leadership here. She should be pushing the president starting in February to negotiate. And certainly once the House passed a debt ceiling bill with our savings plan, our regulatory reforms, she should have immediately engaged. And she's not been authorized to do that by the president. President Trump in 2019, when he faced the exact same situation, authorized his Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, to get something done that he could live with. That's the bottom line. That's where we are right now. All right. So where is uh, Powell in, in all of this? He, he's kind of the, the quiet one sitting in the back, said, I, I raised it a quarter percent as far as the interest rates go. Yeah. I might have to raise it again. Well, uh, as we're on this call, in about uh, three minutes, you're going to have the consumer price inflation number, and that will give us some feel. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to stay sticky. Uh, upward about double, uh, uh, close to double what the Fed wants. So I I think we're not out of the woods on raising rates yet. What I wish Jay Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, had done starting back in 2021, Dave, is tell people they should be responsible about deficit spending. Greenspan did this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Volcker did this to Ronald Reagan, and uh, Greenspan did it to President Bush 41 and President Clinton and President Bush 43 and the Congresses. And Jay Powell has not done that. He says, well, that's not my lane. I don't comment on fiscal policy. Well, that's a huge mistake because he has tremendous influence. An avalanche of spending and the 40-year high in inflation caused by that spending makes his job even tougher. Yeah. So he takes the blame for their own policy failure. I got you. 
Well, I'll let you get ready for those numbers to come in. Thank I'll you, let you friend. get on. We appreciate your, your time with us. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, Congressman Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Some big things that still have to happen here. This, I'm telling you, it's got to happen this week. Yeah. And the president has already set us up for failure as far as the border goes. I, I really think that I'm going to disagree a little bit with the congressman. I think Joe Biden will drive it off the cliff. Well, we'll see. It, uh, it's going to have to. They're yelling, saying by Jan, uh, June first. So let's see yeah. what uh, see what uh, the president decides to do. The only person I know willing to default is his son on his uh, payments yeah. to his kid. <laughs> And then, and and then the president doesn't even want to say he's got a grandkid from uh, from that union. It's unbelievable, it really is. All right, we're going to come up. Uh, we've got uh, Bill O'Reilly joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Then uh, joining us is going to be Congressman Westerman, and he's going to talk about a lot of the just same things that were talked about uh, by uh, uh, our Congressman Hill from District Two. We'll see what District Four is saying. Uh, when we get back here uh, to the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, it's time for Bill O'Reilly. He's going to join and talk to us about some of his thoughts here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you, and I understand that Congressman Westerman has uh, joined up with us. Congressman, I just saw that the Consumer Price Index, 4.9%. Uh, above last year at this time, that's year to year. With that in mind, I I don't know what we were last year. Were we already starting to see those hard inflationary numbers starting to hit us where we were, you know, 9 10% over year to year, which would mean then we're 4.9% over that number this year? Yeah, I don't remember what it was this time last year, Dave, but I think that would put us in – Double-digit inflation uh, since since Biden's been in office, which wow. uh, it didn't have to be that way. Obviously, it's all the spending, and it you know, it's, it's the reason that uh, we're wanting to tie spending uh, reforms to the debt limit increase. So, uh, you know, it's just another example of why we can't keep going down the, the path that we're going down, and why you know Biden needs to get serious about doing something on spending and. Republicans have acted. We've passed the debt limit increase with spending reforms and also with um, policy to grow the economy and to lower costs. So I would say the ball's in, in Biden and Schumer's court right now. Yeah, I'm going I'm to take it uh, differently than what I did with, uh, with uh, Congressman Hill. We started off with the border. I want to start off with you with the debt limit. We had the uh, the speaker meeting with the president yesterday. You had the Senate uh, minority leader meeting with the president yesterday. You had the Senate majority leader meeting with the the president yesterday. And all the president could say was, uh, I'm not going to be held hostage by these negotiations. Then why did he even invite them over? He's the one holding people hostage. Um, you know, the, the House passed the bill. The House has voted to raise the debt limit. The House is the only part of the federal government that has acted to be responsible and increase the debt limit and pay the bills and also to lower the cost. And uh, you, you may have remembered when I was in the legislature back home, Dave, I had a bill um, to 
uh, cap the spending growth. Uh-huh. And we've, we've got that in the debt limit up here to say that we're going to go back to 2022 levels, which was five months ago. You know, no draconian cuts, a very reasonable, and then say we're going to increase that by 1% per year and, you know, cap the rate of growth of spending and then go through the appropriations process and make the, the uh, decisions on where the priorities are, just like a family would have to do if they were facing um, uh, a tough budget situation like our country is facing. So it's totally reasonable what Republicans have proposed. And, again, only House Republicans have done anything to fix the debt limit. So Joe Biden can... It reminds me of the, what my dad used to say: when you point your finger, there's there's three of them pointing back, and uh, you know, he and Chuck Schumer need to do something. Yeah, l- let me try to get this clear in my own mind and make it clear for the listeners as well. What the House has said, what the House Republicans have said, is we're going to give you enough money to for sure pay all of our debts. You know, you want to pay the interest on the debt, we'll pay the interest on the debt. However, we also want to cut back spending so the next time we come around to the to the debt uh, ceiling, we don't have to go up as high. Is that basically what you all are saying? Yeah, we've said for uh, uh, two years or $1.5 trillion, I believe are the, are the numbers, we will increase the debt limit, but we're not going to do that uh, without making some changes to the process that causing us to have to raise the debt limit. And it's out-of-control spending. It's, it's reasonable stuff. There's 50 or $60 billion of COVID relief that's been sent out that hasn't been spent. Um, does anybody really think we shouldn't bring that money back into the Treasury to help with the debt? Uh, we've got that in there. We've got, um, uh, you know, the, the student loan program that Biden has out there to forgive student loans. We've got that clawed back. We've got money out of the Inflation Reduction Act, which is driving those inflation numbers that we talked about earlier. Uh, we've put a proposal out that's reasonable, that's rational, and that we can explain to anybody. Uh, Biden's done nothing. All he says he wants a clean debt ceiling. Chuck Schumer was counting on Republicans not being able to pass a debt limit increase in the House. So they're standing there now looking silly because they have no plan. And uh, you know, it's going to be a, a a very big fight if they try to blame it on Republicans because McCarthy tried to meet with Biden 97 days ago on February 1st. Or actually, he did meet with him, and it was not until we passed the debt limit bill in the House at the end of April until Biden uh, invited him back to have uh, a meeting. I was actually with the Speaker last week. We were overseas when he got the... Uh, notification that the, the president wanted to, hey, he had a call with him while we were in Israel, and then he wanted to, to meet with him. So had House Republicans not passed the the increase, Biden would have just sat there to the last minute and tried to, he and Schumer, were, their plan was to jam through a debt ceiling increase with no spending reforms in it. But their their bluff has been called and they're being exposed for, for what they're really doing. And that, And, you know, they're they're like a scared animal. They're trying to blame everybody else. They're they're lashing out, saying you're going to cut veterans' benefits. You're going to keep people off of, of Medicaid. It's the same old 
tired lies that they tell every time they they get in a bind, and it, and it's pure lie. You can, there's nothing in the bill that says we're going to cut veterans' benefits. Um, as a matter of fact, in our appropriations process, we're looking at how to increase veterans' benefits to make that a priority, and to take money from other places uh, to be able to spend more on veterans' benefits. So uh, it's going to be a interesting couple of weeks here. Hey, Congressman Smith, it's Jimmy. How you doing this morning? Great, Jimmy. Good to hear you. It, uh, quick question. It's obvious that Biden is not willing to negotiate. He has no plan, like you've been saying. And I agree with you that he has actually taken the hostage, right? The question, the question I have is because of his mindset on this, do you think he's willing to shoot the hostage? Do you think he's willing to go off the cliff on this? I don't think so, um, <clears throat> but you, you you never can tell it's, uh, if, if it were him and his right mind calling the shots, I don't think so, but the uh, the leftists that are working in the White House over there, I, I don't know what they've got up their sleeve, but I don't think it's for the betterment of our country. I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said in his right mind. And I think that's a genuine concern among Americans is that he's not in his right mind on this and other things as well. I think it's, it's obvious. You know, um, I'm, I'm going to go back in time a little bit in, in some of the stuff that he's done. This, this trip that I was on with the speaker, we've talked to a lot of world leaders in the Middle East. And, you know, we've, we've talked about how the, the horrible withdrawal out of Afghanistan was a bad move, but it has done a huge amount of damage to our relations with foreign countries because they see us as uh, as somebody they can't count on. That you know, if they would, if America would spend all that money in the war in Afghanistan and then pull out like that and just leave people hanging, um, you know, it makes them question what kind of long-term relationship they want to have with us. And it opens the door up for China, who's been over in the Middle East trying to make deals and, you know, uh, undercut our currency and start purchasing oil and stuff using uh, Chinese currency. So uh, this administration has done a huge amount of damage at home and abroad, and they have nothing to show for it. You know, what they've got to show for it is the 4.9% uh, inflation number you talked about uh, in the past year added to the inflation up to that point. Uh, an economy that's getting ready to head in the wrong direction because people can't afford houses, they can't afford automobiles because interest rates are so high. And it's driven by partisan spending that uh, a Democrat-controlled House, Democrat-controlled Senate, and a Democrat-controlled uh, White House pushed through on the American people. And you know, they call it the Inflation Reduction Act, unless you're in D.C. talking to a Democrat. They call it their climate bill. All right. So before we uh, take a break, let me just ask one last question, and so you can be real clear with our, our listeners. When the president says he wants a clean debt ceiling bill, what he's really saying is that I want you to just give me a blank check. Absolutely. He said it's it's raise the debt limit with no strings attached. Uh, he's saying we're not going to change a thing about how we're spending the uh, six or ten point five trillion dollars in new debt we're going to accumulate over the next ten years. It's fine and dandy. We're on a great path, 
and we're not going to change any kind of course. Uh, just give us a clean debt ceiling, and, and that's not going to happen. It is just um, it's a non-starter. He he needs to go back and and get his people in a room and figure out how they're going to uh, to come to some agreement other than just getting a clean debt ceiling. Well, you know as well as I do, Congressman, the the, the game he's playing now. He's watching the poll numbers, and if things start tanking going the Democrats' way, uh, they'll suddenly decide that they want to talk to you seriously about what's going on with the debt ceiling. Uh, i got to get a break what do you in. you mean start, start tanking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, start it, yeah. All right, so let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about the, another, the, uh, the other topic that's on everybody's lips. That's the border. We'll uh, discuss that when we return here with... Uh, Congressman Westerman on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with Congressman Westerman, District 4. Let's uh, move to the other big subject and maybe even a bigger subject than the debt ceiling, even though I think the debt ceiling is maybe the the most important uh, subject to be talked about. Congressman, let's talk about what's going on in the southern border. In just over a day, Title 42 will run out. And a very good possibility we're going to get run over by the number of illegals that are sitting along our border wanting to come into uh, the United States. Now, I've heard some of these uh, some some reports saying that some of these uh, countries in Central America are, are going to empty out their jails and are going to send those people like Cuba did back in the 90s to the United States. Are we letting them know, is Congress letting them know they do that, we'll cut all of their foreign aid? Well, I, I have not heard that, Dave, but I would hope they would realize that that would put any kind of foreign aid in jeopardy if they start clearing out prisoners and sending them here. Even just sending, uh, uh, you know, rounding people up and sending them here, if it's the government aiding that, uh, to me that's a big problem. Uh, as you mentioned, Title 42 runs out Thursday. Uh, I've got I've made enough trips to the border that I've made friends with Border Patrol agents, and I I text with them, and they've been sending me pictures of uh, you know masses of people, and uh, you know one of the things I've been harping about is all the trash that gets left in our on our federal lands on the border. They send me pictures of just mountains mountains of trash that uh, you know people are carrying backpacks. And, a lot of times they're dressed in camouflage with wool sandals on their over their shoes, and they get across the border and they just throw all this trash away. Um, you don't hear any environmentalists talking about that, but the, the pictures are pretty amazing what what they're sending up on it. Uh, but uh, I mean that's minor compared to the influx of people, <clears throat> and also the the drugs. How many drugs are going to come across the border now, uh, in addition to what has been coming across? So. That's why we're in the House. We're voting on an immigration bill, um, border security bill, this Thursday uh, on the same day that Title 42 expires. You know, the Trump administration was moving the border crisis in the right direction under the current law. It shows you it doesn't always matter what the law says. It's who's in the White House and the direction they're giving the people that, that work under them. I really hope we... Um, we get enough information to impeach Mayorkas or force him to resign. I think he's horrible at his job, uh, along with a lot of the cabinet members that the Biden administration has, has put in place. 
Congressman, talking to a lot of law enforcement in in our state, uh, not just the fentanyl trade, not just the drugs, but the human trafficking. And talk to the people about with, if Title Forty Two, if it runs out Friday, and with Biden's with Biden's uh, plans on the border, how that's going to increase human trafficking? Because with our law enforcement, it's a big issue. Yeah, and uh, you know it sounds sensational, but you know women and children are being being raped and sold into sex trafficking. There's uh, forced labor. The things that we don't think of uh, exist in this country. Uh, they exist because of the human trafficking on the, the southern border to a large part. Um, it's a, it is a real human tragedy that's happening because we're not standing up to the cartels, we're not enforcing our border laws, and we're not allowing our law enforcement agents along the border uh, to do the job that they signed up to do. So as a result, that's not only at the border, it's flowing to all parts of our country. And uh, you start doing research on the human trafficking and and what's happening there, and it's in every community. Uh, you know, little rural communities in Arkansas, there's human trafficking and sex trafficking taking place. It's it's spreading like a disease throughout our country. Now, you got all of that. You've got fentanyl up in Arkansas. I mean, it's affecting us right here in this state. In fact, we talked to Hannah Davis yesterday from the Heritage Foundation, uh, she's a an immigration expert for the, the Heritage Foundation. They said that, uh, or she said, that it looks like uh, the real war now is going to be in the states. Uh, are you going to come back and talk to the state legislators and uh, tell them what they should be doing to, to help mitigate this? Yeah, I've, I've talked to them all the time. Uh, about what's going on, trying to keep them up to date on what's happening at the border. Uh, you know, something that, that I've found out on my trips to the border is we're, we're always hearing about Customs and Border Patrol and ICE, but in, in Texas, you got the Texas Department of Public Safety that's kind of the second line that, uh, you know, they're detaining and arresting people all the time. It, it's a huge drain on the, the border states uh, to try to catch the people that the Border Patrol uh, don't catch. And, and we're talking thousands of, of people that are getting past the Border Patrol that's being detained by uh, Texas Department of Public Safety. Um, and, and the same thing, you know, they're not catching all of them either, especially when you get out into remote areas of Arizona uh, where there's, there's very little uh, security or Border Patrol out there. And people are just flowing into this country, and that spreads out all across the country. Then you have the Biden administration taking people who come into, uh, I saw it firsthand in McAllen, Texas, they're buying airline tickets and shipping them around the country. You know, I think one of the best moves was when uh, Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis started putting people on buses and sending them to, to New York and Washington, D.C. and Chicago. Yeah, I the rest of the country experience what they're experiencing. I agree with you. We're out of time, Congressman. It's always a pleasure to spend a half hour with you. We'll let you get back to work. You got a lot of things facing you. Yeah, you'll have a good day, and it's good to be with you. Kicked off. Tell us real quickly about it before we get to our uh, guest from the uh, Americans uh, for. 
Prosperity Senior Fellow from Fiscal Policy, Kirk Coachman. Well, I started um, Momentum Arkansas. Momentum Arkansas. Okay. Political consulting, public policy, and just projects in general. It's time for me to do something to make it a business, you know. You can't be doing it for free all the time. I've been doing it for free for almost 10 years. A long time. I know you have. And now it's getting where I really need to try to hire people to do what I want to do. Wow. uh, that sounded like a call for uh, people to call her. I just need my brand. I know what I want to work on. I'm big on the literacy stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not necessarily completely in agreement with where everyone's going conservatively. So I just need to make my own brand, and that's what this well, your, is. Your brand is a badass. <laughs> That's what Dallas is. <laughs> yeah, has, has so I'm going to brand. I'm going to brand myself as a badass. Thanks, yeah. Tim. Okay, that's Are good. you going to back me up? All yeah. right, you know I will. Well, let me tell you, I I can't say that Kirk Coachman is a badass, but I can tell you that he is uh, a senior fellow for fiscal policy for Americans for Prosperity. Everyone knows that I work I very that. closely uh, with the Arkansas branch of americans for prosperity and always good to have them on when they can come on but kurt is with us today debt ceiling is a big uh, issue that we've been talking about we just got done talking to both of our congressmen about it uh in uh, district two and district four uh to be honest kurt and both of them said that they don't believe the president has the cojones to uh push us off the edge I don't know if I agree with that. Neither does Jimmy. Jimmy thinks that he might be wanting to jump off the the, the ledge on this. What say you? I think he doesn't want to be remembered as the president who defaulted on our debt. No okay. <laughs> He's got a pretty strong self-interest in, in not doing that. Um, you know, Republicans have the first mover advantage right now. They actually passed something through the House. Uh, Democrats haven't done anything like that. I mean, the president did his budget, but, like, nobody ever takes the president's budget seriously because it doesn't involve getting a whole bunch of members on board before the rollout, you know? Yeah, so with that case in mind, how do you see this playing out over the next few weeks? Because they're saying that, or, or, or at least yelling, saying, we got to have this done by June 1st. Is it going to be done by June 1st, or are we going to wait to the very last moment again? Well, this won't satisfy you, but we don't quite know yet. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty about like how much money is going to come in and when. So uh, the Bipartisan Policy Center actually has the most credible estimates of when we could actually hit that, that so-called X date. And they think June 8th is most likely, but it's possible that it's June 1st, and it could be as late as August 8th, just based on the, the timing of payments and stuff. So we'll see, but I think what we're, we're seeing is we're moving from a phase where um, people have been posturing, especially Biden with, uh, you know, clean debt limit, no reforms whatsoever, even though we just blew up the debt in a crazy way the last couple of years. Uh, and they're starting to negotiate now, and uh, these things can come together pretty fast when you've got some good policy options on the table, and the House has put some things forward, and then there's a couple of things that have broad bipartisan support that are kicking around as well that could slide into a deal, too. I mean, the president basically has said, I want a clean debt ceiling. What that means is, hey, I want the ceiling to go up, and then I want no limits on what I can spend next year over that ceiling if I so desire. 
Yeah, I mean, future spending is going to be guided by what the current Congress is doing in terms of uh, the appropriations bills. Um, but the reality is that the, the debt-to-GDP ratio, the debt burden, jumped by 20 percentage points in the last couple of years. That's huge. That's basically the same amount that it jumped from uh, the end of 1941 to the end of 1942 as we got into World War II or the first couple of years of the Great Depression. Like, so what we went through the last couple of years was pretty bad, but it didn't need to be that much of a blowout. And it's time to take stock and then find a way to reduce that so we're not slowing economic growth and so we're not risking default and the security implications that come along with economic uh, problems, too. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. We've been seeing this Mexican standoff type negotiations for years now, and it looks like we're going to play that game again. Our guest is Kirk Couchman. He's with Americans for Prosperity. He's a senior fellow uh, on fiscal policy. Jimmy, you had a question? Yeah, Kurt. It, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying, but uh, doesn't want to be the first president or to go down in history. He's going into thought. But so, so what do you think at some point he has shown nothing to negotiate? Hey, this is just the way it's going to be. I'm not budging. And your best estimate, if it gets to the point, which we're getting there, what do you think he's going to come off of? What are you thinking that he's going to be willing to give up? Well, I don't want to speak for the president. He doesn't share my uh, approach. <laughs> <to the federal>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can um, imagine. But, um, you know, I think there is consensus to be reached. Um, there are some things that House Republicans have put forward that are no-brainers. Um, you know, the House and the Senate passed a bill saying this pandemic emergency is over. Biden signed it. Uh, I think today or tomorrow is when it's officially over, according to that legislation. So um, let's not spend the money that was put forward for the emergency. That's easy. Um, I mean, there's other things like the RAINS Act. It's a, more of a, on the regulatory side, but really what it's about is Congress reclaiming its legislative powers from the administrative state. And that would be a very healthy uh, development as well. Um, but like I was saying before, I think there are a couple of, of, of proposals with broad bipartisan support um, that have passed Senate committees unanimously or have had overwhelming votes. Uh, one is um, the idea of preventing shutdowns. The federal government never had shutdowns before 1980. Jimmy Carter's attorney general basically reinterpreted an old law, and then we started having shutdowns. So, like, let's fix that error. It would make for a healthier appropriations process. And, you know, you see the states that have a broad uh, continuing appropriations like that, like Wisconsin and North Carolina and Rhode Island, and they, they just don't have, like, the crazy brinksmanship that we see in Congress in their budget seasons. Sure, they have disagreements, but it doesn't result in a major interruption of services to the people that are expecting things. All right. Dallas, did you have something that you want to I just would like to know what it's going to do with the uh, real estate market. Oh, that's a good question. Well, um, if or when they come up with the deal, and I'm, I'm confident they will um, before the X date, then um, probably the real estate market uh, won't be too much more effective than they otherwise would be uh, due to you know the Fed having to increase interest rates in order to combat inflation, which of course was the, the result of a spending blowout during the pandemic. But if there is not a deal and we do go over the cliff, then uh, the economic consequences could be quite bad. I mean, you could see interest rates going up. You could see credit markets freezing up, payment systems having glitches, people not getting paid on time. Uh, it could become really difficult to get mortgage, mortgages. So we do need to raise the debt limit 
We just also need to, you know, do the reforms that will reduce the, the chance of default in the future as well as avoiding default this year. All right, Kirk Couchman is our guest from uh, the folks at Americans for Prosperity. He's a senior fellow, fiscal policy. We're talking about the debt ceiling. How will that affect you if we happen to default? I don't think we will, but there are people who believe we might. So we'll come back. We'll talk further about this. We've got to take a break on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, we've got Kirk Couchman on the show. He is a senior fellow of fiscal policy, American Prosperity. Uh, Kurt, let me ask this question. What can what kind of effect about what's going on on our border have in these discussions about the debt ceiling? Well, that's a good question. The House is advancing legislation this week that would uh, do a lot uh, on the border. And uh, I've heard some people talking about how uh, when they put the Limit, Save, and Grow Act together, the the border package hadn't been fully negotiated. Um, But now that it has been and it's moving to the floor and we'll see what the vote is, um, then that could potentially end up in the deal as well. So um, it's possible. Uh, It's not something that I've looked at closely because it hasn't become a thing until this week. And I'm actually... uh, in another state right now, uh, talking to people about uh, fixing their budget system. We're actually making it better. It's already pretty good, but it could be better. Well, we're doing all right here in Arkansas, although we're still spending too much, but we're going to have to curtail that, but perhaps it yeah. will happen. Perhaps it will happen. Hey, hey Kurt, a uh, lot of mm-hmm. Biden's done a lot of chest beating with the 14th Amendment. Uh, talk to the folks and tell them what the reality is about that, if it, if it would even do it and if it would even work. So Biden is exactly wrong <laughs> on the 14th <laughs> Amendment. Typical. So, so, <laughs> so what the 14th Amendment says is that the validity of – let me get this right. I've got, the, I've got my little pocket constitution right in front of me here. Uh, don't go anywhere without it. Um, do I. But – it says the validity, validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law uh, shall not be questioned. Uh, now, the Constitution refers to government officials, not to the public. So you and I can question the government debt all we want. But, you know, uh, government uh, officials have to respect the public debt. And that means that the interaction between the 14th Amendment and the statutory debt limit means that the president is constitutionally obligated to make sure that principal and interest on the federal debt is paid in a timely way, which means no default. So that is required to be the first priority. Now, we shouldn't get to that point, of course, um, but uh, for him to say that he can just sort of, you know, uh, make up what the Constitution actually means in order to get what he wants, that's not statesmanship. That's He shouldn't be doing that. That's not okay. Yeah, well, he just wants to be, he wants the ball in his court, and he want, he's going to keep it. I think he's throwing spaghetti at the wall and trying to see if anything will stick. I, I agree. He's, 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 so. in, he's in serious, serious uh, 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 places right now. So how long do you think it would be before one of the sides blinks? We're already starting to see uh, some of the Democrats saying, hey, let's make a deal. Uh, Joe Manchin has been talking to McCarthy for months now. Um, Jared Golden from Maine in the House uh, has been talking about it. There's a bunch more that want to make a deal, but the way that things work in D.C., the party leadership of both parties is so powerful 
that, you know, bucking your party leaders is really, really hard. And there are ways to, to loosen that up and let people kind of be more of who they want to be rather than what leadership wants them to be. Um, but that's not going to happen in the next month. All right. So what else should we be watching for? You give us the information now. As you're sitting there looking this over, how should we be keeping our eye on this? I think the biggest sign is uh, continuing negotiations. Like, there's a meeting of the congressional leaders again on Friday. Uh, so this is a good sign. They're taking today, tomorrow to regroup and try to figure out their options and how to move forward. Uh, and then they'll come back together on Friday, and probably from then on they'll be meeting daily or almost daily. And as long as you hear that they're meeting, that's a good sign. Uh, it's when they stop meeting that uh, I would start getting worried. All right. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Kurt uh, Couchman, our guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show with Americans for Prosperity, Senior Fellow Fiscal Policy. I know it's not the sexy topic but if things went really sideways, it'd get sexy real quick, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think budget is really interesting and really cool, but uh, I know a lot of people don't see it that way. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Thanks <laughs> so much. You. Kurt, yep. thank you very much. We appreciate you being on the Dave Ellswick Show. Kurt Couchman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll get him back on in the near future. Seems to be a sharp nephew. guy. Well, yeah. if he's a senior fellow at yeah. American Prosperity, yeah, I'll tell you, he's, they did great work. he knows what he's yeah. doing. I know he knows what he's talking about. All right, so uh, while we were talking about this, big story going on out of Washington, D.C. right now. Senate, uh, well, not the Senate, the House Republicans uh, coming out and reporting they found stuff on Hunter Biden's computer. Who's surprised? And uh, some of the things that they found that there were... Uh, all kinds of payments made to the Bidens while he was vice president. Coming from, oh wait, three guesses. First two don't count. Where do you think the payments <laughs> came from? If you said China, take a gold star. That's where the money came from. Uh, yesterday, uh, Coma kind of uh, let out a little information, and it. I haven't. I've been kind of watching the. The Krylon at the bottom of the of the uh, of uh, the picture, and I haven't seen about Hunter Biden and and uh, you know human trafficking and and hitting on human trafficking women for illegal yeah immigrants yeah that's it's big that's, big that's that's years in prison it it ought to be I mean illegal immigrants yeah human trafficking it's hmm. pretty crazy stuff that's a little stuff. bit different from. Crazy you know, stuff coming out as far as that's concerned. Uh, we're, we're clear until the bottom of the hour. Is that correct, uh, Aaron? We're good? Okay. Uh, did we get 1035 set up? He's jumping on now. So we actually got a Brit Shear of the uh, the company that's bringing in the the big furnace to Gum Springs. Uh, he is actually going to be be able to come on tomorrow oh, at 1035 in the studio. He's oh, he's drive. coming to the studio. He's going to come into the studio. He wanted to come is in. Is he bringing the furnace with him? Nah, I probably won't fit in the studio. I don't though. know. I've seen some. <laughs> I don't think it would I've, fit in the parking lot. <laughs> I've seen some pictures of that furnace. and this It's is, big. This, hey, Aaron. It's Aaron, big. Is it big? Um, yeah, okay. I think so. It's bigger than a towboat, a, 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 a tugboat. <laughs> They're showing, they were showing pictures of it yesterday. So 
We'll give you all the uh, information about that tomorrow, evidently, at 1035. So we'll be looking for for that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He we said, actually, um, sorry to interrupt. He actually told me today he's getting ready. Uh, he's headed across it right now to uh, make sure that the uh, transportation is okay and ready to ship out to Gum Springs. So now, they're, they're like, today. Have, when do they start moving it along the interstate and stuff? They're going to shut down the interstate and stuff. No, that's not even, they're not even taking it at the interstate. I think they're just they're taking it straight across South Arkansas through El Dorado, Strong, um, I think, Roston, and Prescott. They can't so take it down the okay. interstate because of the barriers. Well, that, yeah, well, that's true. I mean, can you imagine it going over there by 70 i would kind of like it because it would knock out that wall right there at hot springs can you imagine <laughs> it would get rid- you know i like it like i said it would knock out that wall and we wouldn't have to deal yeah. with what's, it anymore what's the top speed they got going there uh, 20 uh, to 40 tw- yeah 20 mm. miles an hour so yeah. this, this what a boring drive how can do I- you stop something that big if you're going 20 even 20 miles an hour how do you I put the brakes know. on so it it looks like something out of a science fiction movie in uh you know, like if it started, it would start sucking in the universe. Yeah. And that's kind of what it looks like, to be honest with you. So anyway, we'll have something on that tomorrow. Well, that ought to be interesting tomorrow. You want to check it out. Well, everybody is making, getting FaceTime today, dealing about all of this, about uh, Hunter Biden's uh, computer. Let's see, we're pursuing so facts topics. where they take us. I've been saying that for a long time. Uh, they got uh, they got transactions going to the Bidens from the Chinese. There's payments being made, so maybe just maybe they're finally breaking through the dam that's been built up to keep us from hearing. I stuff. think it's a gigantic distraction. Well, the here's the, here's the thing. You see Fox <laughs> reporting on it. You're gonna see news if it makes Biden leave the White House. It's not a distraction. Well, well, you're good with that. True. But let's go ahead and let's go ahead and factor in the mainstream media and what they're going to report on this, which is what CBS well, yeah, probably gotta, do thirty seconds on it. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't turn it over. Yeah. Let's see. Let's try Channel Seven. What are they talking about over there? Well, first of all, I got to get the thing to work here. Is it telling? Me? Nope, it's not working. Never mind. <laughs> uh, we'll try this one. See, I got I got like three controllers in here. You got to know how to operate. Them, there, so. there it is. There you weren't pushing it yes, uh, to the right place. Okay. Uh, nope. Commercial. <laughs> They're not doing anything. No big well, surprise. Uh, this. The reality is, they say it's a bombshell. It should be a bombshell, <clears throat> but mainstream media will make sure it's not That's right. a bombshell. That's right. That's. And then we'll we we will all be started talking about it paying attention to it while they're doing something that we need to be paying attention to i think i think it can have a lot of it's it's not going to have any me and dallas were talking about it during the break he's not going to jail Mm-mm. okay but from a political aspect as far as uh, electoral no, wait, issues no, wait let me show you the president's not going to go no, to jail no. hunter may go to jail may I hey. I'll give you eighty percent chance. You think he's going? That he's going to have to cool his ears for a while. It's not anything that you and I would yeah. have to face. Yeah, I hope he does. But I, you know, yeah, we, we learned anything. Yeah. I mean, look I mean, what we, we be on the Well, look what we learned from the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 
none of the people that 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 need to go to jail besides Epstein went to jail. Well, I mean, I mean, the lady did, but I mean, right. the, the people who. But she had clients, and we don't know who they are. That's where I'm I getting mean, at, and and so yeah, would a hundred been go to jail? I hope so. All right. We'll talk about that later. Right now, <laughs> right now we're going to go and uh, hear from uh, Hannity. He joins us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're ahead of we're ahead of Hannity right now. Just for you know, here at one hundred and one. All right. So we've talked enough about the debt ceiling. I think everybody understands what's going on. Everybody understands what's at stake. Uh, when they talk about paying on the federal debt, they're not talking about paying on the principal. All they're paying on is the interest. And let, let's just remember that today the consumer price interest went up 4.9%. Now, that 4.9% that went up today is on top of how much did it go up last year at this time. Yeah, I think it was like 9%. So that means in the last two years... What you're paying for things has gone up almost 14%. Right. And then, that should make you real feel real. I'm sorry to ruin your breakfast, okay? I'm just, <laughs> I understand that I am ruining your breakfast when I talk about this stuff. And then we but have all these other added taxes and villages and personal property Sure, taxes. when we talk about Everything's going. how much of your income goes to taxes, understand there's a lot more going than what you see on your on your uh, tab of, of your of your paycheck a lot more Th- that's just the top of it all the hidden ta- taxes that are out there that corporations are charged taxes on this and that and uh, because of that you pay more for you know x y or z i mean it all is in your uh your hands you know, I know that the Democrats, you guys love to make fun trickle-down economics doesn't work. Oh, yes, it does. It mm-hmm. does, no doubt in my mind, no doubt in any economist's mind. But it's not just money. Works Things down. roll downhill. Yeah. Whatever happens to someone above you, it just keeps going, whether it's the boss at work or taxes. I think I there was a big ball of stuff that went under me. I jumped come over it. I think I missed it this last <laughs> time down the hill. <laughs> To be honest with you, for the last two years, that's not been the case. I just don't understand why they don't understand that. Because whatever happens to someone above you... Will happen to you. It's a domino effect. Yeah. It's physics. It has to happen. I I don't get it. Well, it's Econ 101. (laughs) And a lot of people don't even understand the one, much less 101. Well, and when you have... And what Dallas is talking about is absolutely true. Because it does run down, so it does affect you. But the answer the Democrats have to that, to to a certain class of, of people, is to don't worry about it because we're going to give you money to compensate. And the problem with that is you got – I talked about my guy Stoney, right, who's a middle-class guy. Stoney gets up and goes to work every day, pays his taxes, does what he's supposed to, works his butt off every day. But how much more are you going to put on Stoney – to fund everything, to take care of this. And what happens when the guy like Stoney throws his hands up and says, hey, I'm done. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Read you the know, last three the chapters, call. the last three chapters of On Rhine. Yeah. All right, that's all you got to do. Just read the last three chapters, you know. 
who's going to be the last one out of the city that turns the lights out. Yeah. That's what yeah. it comes down to. But when you, but when Stoney, who represents middle-class America, when Stoney Small says, I, I, my back is broke, that's right. I can do no more, that's, that's where we're heading. And when that happens, we're done. You don't have to worry about the Chinese or and anybody. The, vo- the voice for Small Business America in the middle average person is just about drowned. Well, I've got people who tell me that have their own businesses. I don't know why I'm doing this because right. I'm sure not making any money. Well, they have to do it because it's the fabric of our nation, and there needs to be a voice for People think – people are under illusion that small business owners are cutting the fat hog in the rear, and they're, and they're not. <laughs> and they're not. Now, they have so I much mean, overhead and yeah. regulations and red tape. It's just – I hadn't heard it put that way exactly. Well, I use another word, but since we're on the air, I I haven't heard it put that way lately. I'm going to tell you what, they're they're really breaking some news right now up on the the hill in in Washington, D.C. Where's it going to go, though, right? Well, let's hope it goes somewhere. Is it on another channel besides Fox? Well, we'll have to see. I. Well, I can't, we, I can't we, get it to work. Well, I wouldn't I even want sorry. to go over there to see, but the the, the reporting is going to be from Fox and Newsmax and some conservative outlets. You're not going to get any major reporting on this from ABC, NBC, or CBS. It's just not going to happen, and certainly not the liberal cable news organizations. And I think where this has to resonate because the reality is, is it's as far as court deal and everything it would be years before hunter went to jail and da 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 but what's the political ramification on this that's where you're going to get that what's the the, what's the electoral end of this well i don't think i don't think it's going to affect anything it hadn't so far you don't think it's going to affect anybody's vote it hasn't yet what about with independence I don't think it affects. I don't think people care. Do you, well, I'm wondering. I, I, I agree. I'm with her. I'm I wondering agree. because I'm telling you what. We just saw the consumer price index went up 4.9% from this time last year. That means whatever you buy, about it's about a nickel on a dollar more, all right, that you're paying. But what you don't seem to add up for a lot of people is that if that's last year's prices, those prices – we're up about nine cents more the year before that, so now you're paying fourteen cents more on a dollar. That's where I think. Do the, they the understand that though? Well, I think they do, and I'll tell you why. Because no. I, I agree with most both people. Are financially illiterate. Well, mm-hmm. I, no, I, no, I'm not going to sell them short because I'm talking about moms. Yeah, but the government okay. to take care of us. Well, you know, to both your points, I agree with Dallas on the, on the hundred deal that you know. Hey, in the reality, who cares? It's, it's kind of some Jerry Springer news, okay? But I also agree with Dave in saying, okay, hey, look at consumer price index. See, that's where I think that's where I think it matters, and where the where the election is going to be won or lost. And let's don't let's don't discount those independents, which are mainly made up of moms, suburban moms and stuff, and middle class moms, and they're the ones that do the budget. Yeah, They're the one that handles finance. Here's the problem with what you're saying, Jimmy. And I, yeah, but when you can't I make ends meet, you can't exactly have a what you're saying. What you're saying right there is the way I used to think. You know, we're talking, uh, you know, pocket economics. Mm-hmm. That's what you're talking about. After the last two elections, I don't think that they play as big as they used to play. 
here's what I think they do. If they did, they would have thrown every Democrat out of the House and the Senate last time. Well, well, let's look at this. Everything goes in cycles, right? So when Trump got everything back on track economically, okay, grocery prices are great, gas prices, retirement accounts are going good, jobs are up, uh, uh, you know, uh, poverty-stricken folks are are making more income, they're getting more jobs. And so what happens is everybody gets fat and sassy. And so then the social issues come into play, and they go, hey, the economy's good right now, so the only thing the Democrats could run is mostly on social issues, so everybody's a little fat and sassy, and they're going, well, you know, you're right. So now now we're on the hind boob, so to speak. Now everybody's everybody's going back again now. Hey, everybody's we don't have any money. Everybody's fighting over yeah. one teat on the hog, so right. to speak. Right, exactly. And on so, the And so now I think it does play a part. Where the last election it didn't because everything was so good economically, the Democrats couldn't run on that, so they ran on social issues. So everybody's sitting at home. Everybody's making good money for a change. They're saving money. Retirement accounts are up. So they're a little fat and sassy, so they voted on those social The independents voted on those social issues. Well, now the independents... They're struggling to buy groceries. Okay. Politics That's a in whole America different deal, is like right? that pirate ship at Magic Springs. All the way, you know what I'm talking about? The pirate the, ship ride? The one that swings up it and all the way up and down. Up again. <laughs> That's what's going on. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not good for our psyche. No, it's not. And, you know. And it keeps us all mad at each other. And Social issues resonate with people until they're hungry. And then right. they're more concerned about exactly. getting food. That's right. Well, I'm, I'm going to agree with that. If it gets bad enough, it won't, they won't pay any attention to they the boys that are it. wearing clown makeup. No. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. And, but As a mother? When you, uh, Dallas is a mother. Dallas, I don't care how I, hungry I, gotta I stop. am. I got to stop here. Let me, what are your kids saying about this stuff? <laughs> uh, well, my daughter did. My daughter is very, in, my 19-year-old daughter, uh-huh. 18-year-old daughter, the one that graduated from high school last year, very intelligent, always wanted to be a physician, but decided not to go to college because to her on the outside looking in it looks like college is nothing but a gigantic social experiment where she doesn't want to um, I mean she doesn't like all that drama that looks like is going on in our colleges and it looks like it's everything but actually going and getting an education about a job Yeah, it's more about trying to change your thinking and she doesn't She's not really interested in that. She wanted to go and learn how to be a doctor and work with kids. And Berkeley's then, everywhere now, So right? she's working. Yeah. She's like, Mom, maybe I can just go to college later when things settle down. I said, that's fine. And she has a work work ethic that's really good, and I'm not worried about her. But now my, the one that's actually in school, she gets very frustrated with, like, the furry thing where the kids think they're cats and dogs. They she, actually think yes, that. Yes, they had a they had field day last year, and she had a kid on her team that was acting like an animal. And of course, animals don't have thumbs, so she was trying to like paw the ball down the assembly line, and they lost because of that. My daughter's real competitive. If anybody knows Piper, she's a drag she's, racer. Yeah, right? she's a drag yeah. racer, and she didn't care for that too much. I think she uh, said something. If you weren't acting like a cat, we'd won. You know. But that's she a real a, thing. Does she get suspended like for crazy, saying that? They, no, no. But I mean, you know, I won't name the school, but there there are schools that have litter boxes in the bathroom for these kids, 
I, I just think it's crazy. We won't teach them to read. We won't provide them with the things that they need to learn to read or do math. But we got a litter box in the bathroom. I have problems. I'm a, well, it's what you're going about. People take those social issues because they're not hungry. So right. I'll go back to the child yes, tax yes, credit. Yes. During the COVID and everything, what did the Democrats do? They said, "Okay, we're going to make it permanent t- child tax credit." Right? We got to get. We got to take a break. Yeah. Yeah, come back to it because out my signals now. Come back to it. I got a point to make. <laughs> All right, we'll let you make it, Jimmy. When we come back, it's Dave Ellswick show. We got to get some bills paid. We'll return here at one hundred one one FM. The answer. This is not Matthew's show. All right. No, we're not sending up a, a, a electric current up his leg or anything. Okay. <laughs> Just means that content is king here at one hundred one. Yeah. You want to know what's going on? We'll let you know what's going on. Can you bring up uh, Fox over there on the board real quick? The television, yeah. Can you bring that up? <coughs> Unfortunately, I do not have access to the TV. Oh, you don't anymore? So, no. Okay. Anyway. We tried there's, to fix that a couple some... weeks ago, and I didn't. Okay. we got big things going on right now, breaking news going down. And I agree with you guys. You know, Fox would be, and maybe Newsmax and a couple other be the only ones that give you any real in-depth about this. But it looks like to me, as I've been watching the information that they've been putting up, that they have a lot of bank records now. And, you know, that's what got Al Capone put behind bars. And I'm wondering if that's not what's going to happen to Hunter here. He may end up going behind bars because that's... And the other thing is, is these bank records coincide when Biden was vice president with uh, Obama, and he would yeah. have known about these things. Right. So it, there's some interesting things. Look, everybody thought Nixon was untouchable until he wasn't. Oh, everybody's touchable. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. everybody thought that nothing could happen to him until it yeah. did. But, <laughs> That's right. But, but I, mean, I caution everyone, while they're doing this shiny thing that we're all paying attention to, let's... Let's pay attention to what else is going on because every time. Now, here on this show, we're paying attention. We pay attention to everything. We're talking about the border. We're talking, of course, about the We're talking about the Conway School Board election. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. This has been going on so long that I almost feel like we're being gaslit. Sorry. You know, I'm just still, I'm cynical. I want this to be something. Well, there's a reason you're cynical. I know. I mean, there's a reason we're, we're cynical. But, yeah, do I think this is a big thing? Yeah, I do no, think it's I agree. A it's thing. a big thing. But okay. will anything well, come let out me of hear, it? Let me let you hear something else that was a big thing. All right? Ron Johnson mm-hmm. was talking yesterday, talking about the Hunter Biden thing. Here's what he had to say. Uh, one thing that we don't talk enough about, uh, I know President Biden's just so proud of his son, but let's you know, we have the evidence that Hunter Biden paid for, paid tens of thousands of dollars for prostitutes that were sex trafficked through an international sex trafficking ring. Oh. I mean, I mean, yes, ick. And President Biden, during about a four or five month period, offered to pay for about $100,000 of, of Hunter Biden's bills when he was spending tens of thousands of dollars on these women who are sex trafficked. Now, if, if that is, at, at a minimum, morally reprehensible and wrong, and the president's defending that, and the media isn't even looking well, into it. Well, wouldn't that be a felony? I mean, if you're I doing bu- business with a sex trafficking ring, that, that's more than ethically offensive. 
it is grotesque, but the media doesn't concentrate on it. We had that in our report. We, we had the, the business, the, the financial transactions proving it. James Comer does the same thing. But again, it's, it, it is so icky. It's so reprehensible. It is. People don't want to talk about it, but it's just galling to hear the president talk about how proud he is of Hunter. And he, he, he enables this. He enables it by propping up his son both in terms of those types of words as well as financially. It's, it's really pretty sick. You know the irony, too, in what you've just shared? So the president's son, uh, just in the last few days, wanted to fight his child support because the family doesn't want to recognize that child as legitimate. The irony would be is what if that child, I mean, you said prostitutes paid for by Hunter Biden, that going through a traffic, a sex trafficking ring, I mean... So how does the family not know about that if they're denying a baby that potentially came from that very source? I mean, I know we don't know what we don't know, but that was quite the bombshell you just dropped. And you're right. People aren't reading deep enough. And when, when they do, they don't report it. We will, too. We will definitely do that. It is. Okay, so if you, if you, wanted, if you wanted to know why the Democrats wanted so badly to beat Ron Johnson in Wisconsin for the Senate. You just heard it. Exactly. But as a leader of our nation, this is how they treat their their offspring, their their grandchild. Oh, yeah. I've mean, been talking I, about this, this for this, weeks. As a woman, how do they get up there and talk about fathers and and families and taking care of our youth if they won't even take care of their own it's just i think i'm not asking for the guy to have a relationship with the mother but take responsibility how do you how do you expect to be a leader and want people in your country to take responsibility if you don't even take responsibility for your own children i think you're hitting on what can be political hay out of this Right. It to to the independents and to the into the to what I call soccer moms, okay? Right. The the story on this that can make the difference is his denial of a child. Right. And as a woman, I don't understand why Democrat women voters aren't going after him big time. That's where I think you can now because because those women, that's the story that's going to, I think, out of this whole deal that will resonate with with women and moms is, hey, it's it's not the it's not the money laundering, it's not the taking the payments yeah. from China, it's not that, it's that that's you're denying a child that you that you fathered, yeah, I mean, and you're denying the mother, or you're trying to deny the mother a financial means to raise the child. I think that's what will resonate with It does women. resonate because you can put yourself in that position. I can't put myself in the position of making <coughs> business deals with China. And then put yourself up above that as president right? and saying, I don't – what grandchild? Right. Uh, you know. your grandchild, and you put up the Christmas stockings, and you put up all the other kids, and you put up the dog and the cats. But you, but you don't put up that one up. It just really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. But but let's don't deny, too, that there are a lot of Democrats that are welcoming this because they don't want President Biden to run again. They don't they, – they see the tea leaves. His own party is coming against him right now. So let's don't think for a minute that there aren't some Democrats that are relishing this news well, coming out. I hope out so. I hope they get a different choice. Well, does anybody at this table really believe that the majority of Democrats want Biden to run again? 
I wouldn't think so. Well, is there anybody sitting at this table that think the majority of Democrats wanted Hillary to run again? That's right. That's All right. right. And they ended up getting rid of Sanders, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. And it, but, I mean, I think the the economy is, is in the ditch so far. They're not going to run on the economy. No, no, they that's what I'm saying. No, on, they want to run on social. I'm going to tell you what they're going to run on. They're going to run on abortion, and they're going to run on trans rights. Social, social issues. But I think I think they're the they're Democrats. The majority of Democrats don't want that. And I think in his own party, and Dave and I talked about this in his own party. There is there is a consensus that they've got to get rid of Biden if they want to win the next presidential election. But we'll talk about that when we come back. Nine o'clock hour is just around the corner. Dallas Green is here. We'll talk to her about her new uh, endeavor she's getting into because we want to know more about it. And we want to know more about what uh, Jimmy's up to. We'll talk about this the school board elections. We'll tell you what happened in Conway. Wasn't good. We'll talk about that, which leads me back to what we just talked about. Hey, you're not willing to fight against the crazies, then get ready to have to live under them. It's Dave Ellswick Show. More coming your way. Uh, we're the conservative station here in uh, central Arkansas. Other stations say they're conservative. In fact, they don't even say they're conservative anymore. Uh, that almost ended after I and another person left over at uh, at the, that other station. But anyway, bottom line is, uh, last night in Conway, school board elections happened uh, starting a week ago. They finished up yesterday. And to the conservatives over in Conway, I only have this to say. If you can't mount a charge at the polls, then just sit down and shut up. Don't don't even don't even talk about how you're upset about what's happening in your school system because you're complicit in letting it happen. You who sat at home and didn't go and vote, right. you had a, over a week to go to the polls and vote. You didn't do it, and don't say you didn't know about it because you're listening to my show and I told you about it. Yeah, and I talk about it all the time because I live in Conway, and you know I challenge conservatives probably three weeks ago you know to to get out and show up in force and i said if conservatives show up in force to the polls this isn't even a race and that's it they they didn't show up in force i think it proves how disenchanted the conservative voter is and i think it's a very serious issue that needs to be addressed and i have spoke with constitutional officers of our state and i believe there needs to be a gigantic campaign a marketing campaign to get people to understand the voting process and what it means all the ins and outs uh, you know talk it up it needs to be marketed people people are apathetic well but here's the question let me just ask you what you why you think that is. Why are they, you know, apathetic <laughs> about all of this? Um, because our country is so polarized. We have it's split fifty fifty. Well, I understand and, that. And, but and, and when the Republicans win, the Democrats—I don't care what anybody says. What Democrats says they don't. I remember how they all acted when Hillary lost. It was all rigged. 
you know, and they didn't believe the election. Okay, so Trump lost, same thing. The conservatives are all up in the air. It's all rigged. Nobody believes. So across the board, people do not trust the election process. Okay, here's where I see the problem really is. Everybody pays attention too much to what's going on in Washington. Correct. And you should be paying attention to what's going on right. in your state people, because you right now we control the state of Arkansas. Well, but they don't teach civics and they don't teach people how the government works. It works from the people up. And the federal government, no matter who's in charge, wants everybody to think it's from the federal government down. And when we do that, we get a tyrant system, and we don't need that, whether it's now right or left. It. We got tyranny right now. It, it, we can't have it. It needs People need to go to their local city council quorum court meetings. They need to get involved on the local level. I mean, yesterday, when we had Hannah Davis on from the Heritage Foundation, and we were talking about what was going on on the border, she only talked for about five minutes about what was going on in congress she wanted to talk the other 50 minutes about what states could do to stop what was happening yeah well on this deal in conway let's the board has a lot of fault okay because they've just continually shot themselves in the foot the community conway was pretty well engaged in this and uh, Sheila Franklin beat the incumbent Jennifer Cunningham four thousand one hundred sixty votes to three thousand three hundred one, and that's at the large bid. That's a, a shellacking. Okay, got hammered, and and Jennifer is a conservative. But what happened in Conway? I don't even know what Jennifer stands for. Well, she's always voted very conservative, but really don't know what she stands for. She really honestly didn't run a very good she campaign. She don't get out and talk. No. And, uh, whereas Sheila Franklin didn't really talk about any of the issues, but she was out there. And and she was she ran just a better campaign. But what happened to the board is the conservatives were on board with them. Even independents were on board with them on the transgender issues and everything. Where independents really had a problem, I believe, in this election and with a lot of conservatives, too, is the board's actions. While everybody was very happy about the the bathroom policy and everybody was very happy about getting the books out of the library and everybody's very happy about putting education back in schools versus indoctrination, what they weren't happy with is the transparency of the board and the lack of transparency we go back huge problem don't get me going yeah well we go back to and a lot of this i broke a lot of this i reported on just because i'm a conservative everybody knows if you do something that's not within the law i'm gonna report on it i don't care what party you are and a lot of people are gonna blame me because they lost but i'm not the one who broke the law Right, and so what happened was, is you had a big problem with transparency. the The policy to delete emails after three days, which I reported and talked about, uh, the illegal meetings they were having, uh, those type of things, the violations of the meeting laws. Uh, they the their clear projected disdain for FOIA. The board was very open at meetings about disdain for FOIA, uh, things like that. But what really got them was the Black History T-shirt debacle. That's what really got them. Well, and, it did it in one race specifically. Yes. 
Yes. One that you're talking about with Jennifer. But with Jennifer, yes. And and the problem with that is Mr. Milburn, who's a fine man, that that he got his race got swept up into it. And the problem is what really resonated this is what you're gonna have a lot of woke people in Conway say that hey, they want out on transgender issues and that's not true. What happened was is when the board a couple board members didn't follow meeting laws and they met they made a decision to tell the superintendent to tell some the women's basketball coaches they couldn't wear black history month t-shirts to the ball games during black history month without doing any meeting without doing discussion and it just blew up and what they were doing was correct except they went around about it the wrong way that's right and if they would have followed what i always tell them look if you follow the rules if you follow policy laws and ethics you can't go wrong but when you skirt those which is a problem that the board does a lot of good things and i like them and they do a lot of good things, but they I've been trying to tell them for a long time, you gotta follow the rules. People don't like it when you because then you lose trust. And well the, then it, you're not at fault. If you're following the rule, it's not my right. it's not my rule, it's their rule. But the black history t shirt, that is what just totally, totally I think killed this because you they lost all the independence with that. They lost all the independents, and they they did. They lost some conservatives who had the will to come out. What um, Kenny Wallace commented on my Facebook page, he said, what did the Republican Party do to get people to go vote during the school board elections? And, you know, I don't know. Did they, they, did they did. do a campaign? They make posts yeah. on social I media? I mean, the they governor came out and supported yeah. the candidate. Yeah, governor Sanders okay. came out and endorsed them publicly. I'm just talking about, I'm talking about the Republican Party The Republican Party, the committee, Republican committee in Faulkner County, who I get at odds with. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's well, well known. But I actually challenged them about a month ago, and other people said, look, get your butt off the couch and get out there. Right. Well, the committee actually did after that. And I'm not saying it's because of me, but they well, actually did get involved. And they started speaking out. Now, there were a lot of leaders in the Republican Party in Conway, like Faulkner County Judge Alan Dodson, who never said a word. And I questioned, hey, where are you at? You know, where are you right. at? And, but the, the committee, a lot of the committee members did. They got out, they started canvassing, they put some posts out, they did, put some letters out, they, they knocked on doors, so they did get involved. At the last school board meeting for the first time, it was full of conservatives, and the conservatives filled up the speaker list to speak. That's the first time that's ever happened, but it's a little late. Where have you been? Right. But I still go but back. But they still need to be coming. Well, I still go back to the board kind of had this. They were new board and they had this mentality that, you know, hey, we're going to do all this. And they weren't following the rules. And people don't like that. In the Black History T-shirt fiasco, when, uh, and I don't know if you guys remember, but during Black History Month, the coaches showed up to a game and they were wearing Black History Month T-shirts. That had the Conway Wampus Cat logo. Well, board and member. And there's where the problem comes That's at. where it came. Board member David Naylor was at a game, and a constituent asked, hey, can they wear those at the game? So David went to the board president, Andre Ackland, who is black, who was at the game, and said, hey, we got to do something about this. And Andre said, well, shut it down. 
Now, David David admitted all this at the meeting, and they gave a directive to the superintendent to tell them, say, hey, tell the coaches they can't wear those shirts to the game. Because they're breaking they're breaking all kinds of laws. I mean, what do they do? Let's just take another Copyright time song. that they may alter the uniform. Uh, Breast Care Awareness Month, when they wear pink. Is that something, you know... That's, is that something that they take before the board, or how does that go about? Well, like on the on uh, uh, breast cancer. Yeah. Okay. Everybody wears the pink right. on that month, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's never been an issue, but it, and so they really didn't have a policy, right, to address it. Okay. So the proper thing to do is say, look, if you've got a problem with this, and it's something you need to address right now, which I contend there was no reason to address it right then. What you do is you call a meeting, right. And you address it in an right. open public Diplomatically. session. And then there's not a problem. But when you when you take it upon yourself to talk to another board member in violation of laws, right. then you issue the superintendent right. directive. Well, what black person's not going to think? <laughs> that, that's, I mean, you got to look at it from a right. black person's point of view. Yeah. I've reported that there was no race, uh, racial component to it. It wasn't a racist decision. And I believe it. But... If I'm a black person in that community, and all of a sudden we have a nationally ranked women's band, and the coaches are wearing black history T-shirts, and they get told, hey, you can't wear those T-shirts and violate, and right. you didn't go through the process, what am I supposed to think? Right, exactly. I'm, and I'm, it, I understand. Remember we talked about this on the show, Dave? Yeah, said, we talked about yeah. it on the show. We talked to this uh, to a board member about it. Yeah, and what I said was you got out over your skis. Right. You get out over your skis, and when you do that – Especially with their disdain for FOIA, it just gives the impression that, that they're up to no good. Right. Well, you know how I feel about FOIAs. I've oh, used yeah. FOIAs yeah. to get many things done in education. But I still go at the end of the day. Now, the, a lot of them are going to blame me. They said because I just reported recently on some illegal meetings they had. And, the, and a lot of them came at me and said, you could have held that till after the election. Well, that's not what I do. Okay, <laughs> that's the whole point of what you do. Yeah, what I do is report. <laughs> I don't fa- understand when that I get mentality. facts. Yeah, when I get facts and truth, I report it. Then I don't hold something based off political right. stuff. I've never done that, and never will. And, to- and they told me then. You said, "Well, you just cost us the election." I said, "Well," and I shot back. I said, "Well, no, I'm not the one who broke the law." And so, but I don't even think it's that. I think. The Black History T-shirt deal, the fiasco, the debacle that did not have to happen, is what really caused this. And Jennifer Cunningham really didn't have anything to do with it. Mr. Milburn didn't either. But because of that, I think that's really what. But neither of them really addressed the issue. Right. No. Why no. not? Why wouldn't you well, address the issue? And I'm going to make some more people mad, but the people running Jennifer Cunningham's election, I said it from the beginning when they ran her campaign. I said it from the very beginning. They were just doing a terrible job. That's because they ran a Joe Biden campaign. Yeah, Social issues. Yeah, well, not well, only no, that, they, they, they were just, having her sit in the, in the basement and not say anything. Not, and because she didn't say anything. Because these social issues don't make any sense, and when you, you can't debate them and win. Oh, yeah, well, you can. Well, what she had to do was had to speak up about all the issues. But when you don't say anything, then you give your opponent an opportunity to not address them either. And if you've got the answers of, of why and the, and the reasoning behind it, you're going to be okay. But when you say nothing... When you say nothing, you don't get out there. Now, she did get out and knock on some doors, but her campaign people were just terrible. 
Sheila Franklin, on the other hand, was out in the community, and Sheila has a great big smile, and she ran on what I call the cheerleader platform is, you know, hey, I'm from Conway. My kids went to Conway. I bleed blue, Conway blue, da-da-da, but she never talked about any of the issues, so it was the kind of – and no offense to her. I like her. Sheila's a nice lady, but she ran on the cheerleader platform, but – what I always called Jennifer Cunningham was kind of the board librarian and that she would sit there at board meetings and sink down in a chair and put her head down. She wouldn't look up. She didn't address anything. She didn't speak. She never said anything. And with all the issues, especially the black T-shirt issue and all the issues, you can't sit there like a librarian and expect to win. All right. Got to take a break. Let's do that. Don't forget about Hillcrest. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. You know, I've talked to Eric several times. I've had Eric on the air to talk to you several times for Mother's Day, and he's got all kinds of sales going on right now. If you're looking for jewelry for your wife or your for your, your mom, here's the time to go over there. You want some kind of a, a, you know, medallion or a ring or you want a necklace or you want a bracelet or you want an anklet, got kids' birthstones in it. This is the time to go over and see Eric. Eric has, uh, you know, jewelry that all he's got to do is drop the birthstones into it, and he's ready to go, and so are you. Stop by and visit him. He's located at 3000 Cavanaugh, Suite E. He opens up at uh, 10 o'clock every day, Monday through Saturday. Closes up at 6 p.m., so you got plenty of time to go by and visit with him and see the quality of product that he has Go through those display cases that are out on the main floor. Talk to him about unique creations if you like to or about estate jewelry that you might have. Or you can visit him and talk to him about repairing jewelry or cleaning it. <coughs> Stop by, visit Eric Coleman at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh. Talk about this Conway thing because... You made a statement uh, during the, the last segment that the uh, folks on the trans side were going to use this as a methodology of saying, see, we won. Springboard, yeah. Well, I'm going to say you may think you won, but because of our state legislature, you've lost already. Because Mary Bentley, who came with the, school, with the uh, House side of the uh, bathroom bill, and then what we got from the uh, the Senate side, between you put both of those together, you don't have a chance to push your agenda anymore. No. Because the school board can say, it ain't going to work. And if and if they say, well, we'll look at what you're saying, anybody who's in the community doesn't want to see it happen and says, you're going against state law now. Well, and the reason there's state law is because of the Conway School Board, right? So at the last school board meeting... And I told them, I, and I literally got up there and said, look, the the bathroom policy is not going away, but it's state law now. But I said, you guys should take credit for that. I told every school board member at the meeting in front of the public, I said, where is a badge of honor? Because Mary Bentley may have sponsored the bill and got it done, but it's literally your bill. And I said, it's You're the one good. who went to her and said, give yeah. us cover. And so it's a good bill. <laughs> It's everything's good. I said, so why not own it? Take pride in it. Don't run from it. Go out there and tell conservatives, yes, we got this done. Motivate conservatives right. to come out. Yeah. Right? But it's almost like, especially Jennifer Bill, Mr. Bilberman, it's almost like Jennifer was hiding 
from all of that, hiding from those issues, when I would say well, my I, message was go on it, right, Dallas? I, I think people run for some positions and they think, oh, I'll, I want to run for office, but I don't want to really do anything that um, – is confrontational or take a stand don't want to put a bullseye on myself they they get in and unfortunately anytime you stand up for something you're gonna you're gonna make some people mad well yeah i make them look at me right so i think if you if you really don't want to have to be in the hot seat every now and then and again you you really need to just not run no and and i think now don't get me wrong i think jennifer's a wonderful person right but i'm, I'm just saying I, yeah. some people are not made for for That's, difficult uh they want everyone to like them this is not a beauty contest it's not it, it's some not people a popularity built. contest Pol- when you politics you stand up for your beliefs your constituents beliefs sometimes you have to stand up for your constituents beliefs and not necessarily your beliefs and you know that's hard all right. Yeah. We're going to come back talk more about this. Yeah. This is something that has to be uh, hashed out on the air. If you want to get involved in the conversation, we'll let you do that. 501-823-0965. You call. Uh, we'll be happy to put you on hold. Uh, don't call me up about any other issues that you want to talk about. we got the issues out in front of you. Uh, and don't call me to talk about the Cubs because I'm not going to talk about the Cubs today. Okay, let's continue on. Uh, let's finish up talking about the Conway School Board election. And why are we talking about it? Because it affects you, the people in Conway. This affects you specifically, right. especially if you get kids. Well, I think it. I think it not just affects Conway, but it sets tone. It sets tone for a statewide to right. other community. It's either we're. Uh, local politics is important or it's not we need to talk about it and there are things that are going on all over the state in education and my my thing right now i know you're talking about conway but i've been talking about what's going on in marvel a lot here lately and what's going on i mean that is going on there well i mean they they've all but lost their school and they um represented mac mcleroy he uh, ran a bill and saved Marvel, and, and you know, the LEARNS Act has some uh, guidelines on how to save struggling schools. And Marvel is not just recently struggling. They've been struggling for a long time. It's already consolidated with Elaine, and that school was struggling. So they're wanting to do, you know, if what you're doing isn't working, let's do something different. So they're wanting to bring in a charter school where the ADE will partner with them to save Marvel and then of course the usual players the usual naysayers that are you know trying to get Marvel to sue and stop this and you know they're gonna mess around and not have a school and we know in rural Arkansas what happens when you don't have a school in your town it dries up it dries up and Marvel can't take that it's just a it's still a thriving community and if they lose their school it's over and these people that are raising cane about it and trying to get Marvel to sue most of them have never even been to the Delta they know nothing about having to drive uh, 45 miles one way to get to school uh, they don't know that what it's like not to have walmart or even a dollar general a half a block from their house and it's just a different lifestyle it's a it's i'm not knocking it it's just a completely different way of being and living and these people that are trying to get the citizens to 
go against what the ADE has come up with to try to save their school. They need to just 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 go on because we've been doing it their way and it doesn't work for those children. We're talking about several grades that have reading percentages that are a zero zero percent. Talking, you know, just what you're talking about here, let's take a look at what's the headline on the uh, Demgaz computer, which I have in my hand here, my laptop, and what is the, the headline story above the fold, number one story, Sanders slams, learns, yeah, suit. Yeah, she needs to. Yeah, she's out defending the Learns Act. Look, there is more there's there's a small percentage of people that are here in this state, I'm gonna just tell you, that want to keep the status quo where it's at because that's where their power right, is. Right. Their power or their money. There's a lot there's a lot of money in failure in education in all sorts of things, but especially in education. There's tons of money in failure. When education fails, there's a whole industry that thrives and we have got to change up what we're doing here's what, just the, go here's what the governor said yesterday quote i think it is an absolutely absurd lawsuit it has zero merit the sad thing is this is a political game yeah. that people are playing with children's futures that's right it's if been going on for years. I'm going to tell you what. They're not talking about, when you hear them, they say they're talking about children, but they finish up saying system. They're not talking about I children. Know. When they say human capital, I lose my mind. I've, I've said for years that school districts, most school districts have been run not as an educational facility, but most likely, most for the part like they operate as a for-profit firm because... They, and, and Dallas backed me up on this, too many administrations and superintendents and school boards don't look at a student as an individual that needs education. They look at that student as income. Right. You know, let Human me, capital. Let, let's just yeah. say, okay, and you're exactly right, and this proves it, what I'm going to read to right. you. The school district that we're talking about, this Marville School District, has the highest expense per yeah. student rate in the state yeah. of Arkansas and the lowest overall student achievement Yeah, they have rates. whole grades Period. that 0% read on grade level. I have lost my mind for the last seven years down there because, you know, I'm from there and I've seen what it's actually done to people I actually know. So it's sickening to me and I want it to stop. And I applaud Governor Sanders' efforts and what she's trying to do because what they have been doing doesn't work. And what's happening is, is the people that have been in control of the failure are panicked. Because well, they're about and to I lose hope, their profit. They're I hope that the people money. of uh, Phillips County will listen to people like uh, Martin Rawls, who's three a JP people. down there. And he's trying to guide people to do the right thing. Yeah, and he three sees people it. brought this suit along with a couple of, as they put it, activists. Well, one yeah. of them's never left Little Rock. And if she went to Phillips County and lived a week, I think it would be good for her. Well, what it is is you get a group of people put her kids in the school down there, and I think she will oh, probably that's change not her tune. Well, it needs to happen. You get the you get the group of people, the liberals and Democrats that that think 
that they know best and you don't know how to run your yeah, own I live. I live down there. I know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but they, they think they think that they know everything and what's best for you in that you know you just need to shut up we're going right. we're going to take well, care of it guess what? which was the whole liberal plan but <laughs> it, but it goes back to it just proves the point it doesn't matter how much money you throw at a problem right you just said it. Marvell Lane is getting more money for yeah, than anybody. It's, it's over seventeen. It's over a few yeah. years ago. It was over seventeen thousand a child. <clears throat> right. I want to say it was close to nineteen thousand, which is more than even Little Rock School District. Yeah, I mean, per yeah, child. because in 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 what they do does not work. It, it, there's no, they have no research to prove what yeah. they're doing works. Actually, they have research to prove that it doesn't work. Well, yeah, it's called look at how much money we're spending and look at many of our kids yeah. can read a grade level. There's been a lot of nonprofits that, that have pulled out of there, and, you know, it's been because of literacy advocates uh, that have basically just called them out on the carpet repeatedly, and they finally just left because they knew we weren't going to shut up. Um so I'm excited to see that maybe some new things are going to happen. The LEARNS Act, let's be clear about this. The LEARNS Act is not perfect. It's not universal school choice. But it's a whole hell of a lot better than what we had. It's a whole lot closer to yeah. universal school choice and than we've ever had. Dave and I sit on there, and I think you agree. You know, when we were, when we were pushing to get this bill passed, and I, I said it's not perfect. It's not exactly what we want. But if you're a proponent for the public school system in the state of Arkansas in its current state, you're a proponent of failure. We have to have accountability. And unfortunately, uh, I was part of a lot of legislation that did a lot of great things, but there were no, there was no accountability. No teeth. And that is the problem with education. That's the problem with government in general. But that is, I know for a fact, that is the problem with education. And, you know, Johnny Key did a lot of really good things, but when it came time to implement things and say, okay, well, you didn't do this, so this is going to happen because you didn't do what, what, what you're supposed to people do. Were that didn't kind of happen. It was always kind of smoothed over. And that has got to stop because it is affecting the future of of our state it affects their ability to bring people in to here to work i mean the mississippi river should be a gigantic port in helena it should be a great asset but because the education uh situation and environment down there is so lacking people come in and they're like i can't bring my i can't bring my family down here it's got to stop so we have well, to do something different because what we've been doing down there for generations ain't working does not work your word accountability is where it's at because for years the arkansas department of education they would be really quick to tell you that that yes they provide the guidelines the you know the, the governance of the rules for school districts and da 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 but when a school district doesn't follow anything they right. would be very quick to tell you well we don't police that right Every, everybody Whereas, says oh i'm not in charge of that the ad says oh we don't we're not accountable for that yeah, they the don't hold anybody oh, accountable we don't do that and then you have school boards that or sleep at the wheel. Now, I think what's changed, and the Learns Act is providing this, and, and Secretary Leva is going to be big on it. They are pushing for accountability to hold people accountability if they don't follow right. the guidelines. Right, because the work's been follow. done. It's time to put it put it in action, and it's time to get rid of people that don't want to get on board. But here's where here's the other thing. We have a situation in West Memphis right now where – the the board won't we've talked about it won't go oh too deep into it. Oh my goodness! Yeah, but they uh, a group of board members 
decided they didn't want the superintendent, so they fired him. So what they do, they uh, already set up to have an interim come in. Well, I did the research, and I proved it, and I brought it up. Problem is, the guy they were bringing in is the interim isn't even licensed to be a superintendent in the state. So I brought that to their attention because I know the licensure rules. And so I brought that to their attention when, the, when uh, they brought a new uh, attorney in, uh, Cody Keys from Beckett Billings and Keys, at the board meeting. One of the board members brought up said, "Well, what's you know he's not licensed though." And, and Cody sat there to meet him, told him, "said Yes, he's you know the AD says it has to have this license. He doesn't have it." But you know what they did? They voted to make him enter him anyhow. Right. And they so that's Change looking. The rule. That's they, looking at well, the, they put a little umbrella over Change him rule. to save him a little bit. Well, what they the what they said is, "Hey, you got to." Uh, apply for the waiver within uh, right. within okay. sixty X days. X amount of time. But still, I, I had a love hate relationship with waivers. <laughs> well, here's the deal: he's still not supposed to be there. So they're basically looking at the ADE and saying, "Well, we're going to hire him anyhow. What are you going to do about it?" Right. Okay. Here's, now here's, I'm waiting on the ADE. Right, okay. What are you going to do? Time, about it? You know. No. Here's what I always tell people: when politicians tell you we shouldn't do anything that helps kids to go to private schools. You should be staying in those public schools. If their kids aren't in them, don't believe a word they're telling you. Well, I like you. choices. And every child's different. And my children have been in public school, private school, parochial school, homeschool, because every child is different in every stage well, of I their like life. Well, I like them to have choices, too, but the politicians... They don't want to give them a choice. Yeah, well, they got, I'm but not, they put you know, their own kids support, in private usually, schools. You know, I usually call those politicians out because yeah, I mean, I know. you'd be we surprised how choices. many how many teachers that were against the Learns Act that are against school choice send their kids to private schools. That's a hypocrisy deal. There's a lot of hypocrisy yeah. in government. Which means we need to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. Uh, here, Here's where you're not finding hypocrisy. All right, East End Towing, you're getting a problem. You have a problem on the on the side of the road because your car has uh, stopped or you're blowing a, a bearing on your trailer or you got your camper with you and there's something wrong with it. you got to get it off. The only towing company I know that can take care of all those different things is East End Towing. They've got the equipment, even if you're an 18-wheeler, they've got the equipment at East End Towing to handle your problem. No matter the situation, East End Towing can handle it. They've got the answers for you. You have to call them, though. They don't just show up, all right? You call them, 501-888-8849. That way you don't end up in the lockdown, all right? in the lot that they put your car in and start charging you a couple hundred dollars a day to hold it. 501-888-8849. You call them. That's East End Towing. All right. We're back here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. See, now you should be you should be on the uh, you should be listening. You should be listening to the Dave Ellswick Show when we're not on, on, on air. But you can't. And that's a good thing. I'm just saying. Probably so. <laughs> just saying. Uh, I want to go. I want to talk about uh, the border again, and and what we're going to see over the next day or so. Uh, probably will go for several months, and that is a president that has given up on the border, and is literally going to kick stocks uh, out and the stops, 
and allow all the doors to open up and let the illegals just flow. I mean, if you think you've seen it all, you haven't seen nothing to what's going to happen over the next few weeks. There's a huge buildup right now of people waiting to come to the United States illegally. I have a question. When we, yeah. let, when we let them in, yes. Do, is there any way that we actually ID these people? Well, yeah, they, they fill out paperwork on them, and no. then they give them a piece of I paper. I mean, but, but we know they're coming in illegally. We don't yeah. know who they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't know who they So my problem with that is when if they commit a crime or if they don't, whatever the situation is, if they just are pass away in a hospital, we have no way of knowing who any of these people are. There's no uh, vetting. There's no – I'm not even talking about the vetting process. I'm talking about – Let's just say you're illegal and something happens well, no, to you medically and you die in the hospital. When they come I, across the border, may, most of them take the paperwork they have yeah. and throw it away. Well, yeah. you know, I think uh, the invasion would stop if we would ID them and make them pay taxes. Well, here's your here's your ID process. I come over the border. Okay, my name's Jimmy Cabin, but I cross the border and they say, all right, man, fill out paper. What's your name? What's your name? Frank Smith. Okay, so hi, Frank. Okay, I don't. That's fine. How are you, Frank? When people yeah, came I mean, to Ellis Island, they they didn't necessarily have the same name they that they did, had they in another land, them. but we knew who they were going to be called from here on out. So you want to be but, Frank Smith from this day forward? Here you are. Here's your picture. What, here's your fingerprints, and you are Frank Smith. What French Hill Congressman French Hill talked about this morning is the deal. The asylum rules are when you come across and you want asylum, you're detained That's until right. you have your hearing. That's right. That's where the breakdown is. President says, no, you don't have to be detained. I know. That's what I'm go saying. So let's, let's, let's come up with something that really works. Yeah. Let's ID you as, as, well, as Mr. Smith, and when you get in trouble here or you save somebody's life here, then, Mr. Smith, you're going to be... You're going to be, that's who you are, I think the, good or bad. I think it probably would work if you would follow it. In other words, when you cross the border and you say, hey, I want asylum, okay, we're going to detain you till you have your hearing. Okay, that gives everybody time. And then you go before a judge and there's a hearing. And if you get out we're of that, housing and feeding these people. But well, that's better than turning them loose. Just saying here. And by the way, well, we're turning. And them by loose. the way, not only we're we going to turn you loose, we're going to take you to the middle of Dallas or the middle of Houston. Yeah, and we're turning and we're them loose drop without any ID. Right. But that's got to stop. Well, that's that, that's where we're. That's they that's use the about. oh, all these people are going to vote. Is a scare tactic to not ID these people. Let's ID them and let's make let's let's get some tax funds off these people. They're they are working and they're they're wiring their money back to the country they came from. Oh, let's, you're, uh, let's you're stop not going to get an argument from us. That's <laughs> what we talked about today with uh, Congressman Hill. All this money that, or yesterday, I guess it was when I talked to Hannah Davis. All this money, which is as far as money coming into Mexico. Number one is the money that people pay for their oil, all right? That's their number one that draws import cash. Number two is the money that's coming from the United States 
back home. All right, you should talk to the uh, some people that own businesses, Latino businesses, oh, yeah. Hispanic businesses that have wire money. Yeah, if you uh, want to stop that. Oh, my gosh, the money that they're wiring back. Here's what you do. <laughs> and we, we, we wouldn't have it, a national debt. But here's what we talked about. We don't tax any of that. I know. We should tax it. They can't get a bank. They can't get a bank account because they don't have an ID. Well, they don't have. We don't need a bank account. They're putting it in. If they're wiring it, we can take a, por- a portion. But of we're it. not because they don't have an ID. Yeah, but I'm just saying you could. So t- you know, they you, have an ID to get get it wired back to their country. And people say, "Oh, all these people are going to vote." No, they're not. Yeah. I think last night proved nobody votes. That's that's just a scare tactic. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk further about this. But yeah. the bottom line, I believe more than anything else, and they do have an ID. The only way they can they can send that money back is over the wire. When they go to do that, it should be like ten percent. The company that's going to wire the money collects the ten percent and gives it to the government. Well, I mean, they do. They, that's, that's their income. But they don't do that yet. We don't do any of that. We need to do that. You, like you, a sales we'll tax. Talk uh, you mean that's not we'll their talk, income? Yeah. Their business? We'll income? talk more here on hmm, the Dave Ellswick show. That needs to be show. brought out. That is a good thing. Dallas Green is here. Jimmy Cavan is here. I'm here. Uh, we've been, you know, knocking down. Uh, some of the main topics that are out in the news, uh, we've been talking about the border now. If you want to get involved uh, with the show, you want to, you know, have your two cents worth, as uh, it's usually put, 501-823-0965. 501-823-0965. And what do you think about what's happening and going on? The, uh, the House will vote on... Uh, a bill tomorrow uh, dealing with immigration reform, and it reinstates a lot of the uh, the Trump uh, proposals that were law for four years uh, when the president was in the White House, and it was uh, things that was working about you know having to stay in the the last country that you're in that you apply for asylum to get into America. The law states that if you come in and want to apply for asylum, you must be detained. The president is not detaining anybody. They fill out the paper. And that's where that 150,000 troops come in that they're sending down there. They're showing up. They're not going to be down there holding people out of this country. They're going to be here helping them get into this country by filling out paperwork and then giving them a slip of paper or a page a page of paper, whatever it might be, saying you have to appear in front of a, a judge on this day in 2027 to see if we can mitigate whether you should be able to come to America or not. That's what they're doing. That's what Mayorkas wants to keep doing. Why that guy still has his job... I don't know other than the president wants him there, and I don't know what they got to do to get him out of there uh, as far as being able to impeach him and make him leave. But he needs to leave. Well, the president's breaking the law on the border, but it goes back to that thing. Where Dallas says it, where's accountability? And it's clear he's breaking the law, but it's almost like, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. And until... 
until we go back to the policies that Trump had in place and the policies that were going to take us even further, we're, we're just going to be a disaster at the border. Now, you can not like Trump. You can not like his tweets. You can not like all of that. But you cannot dispute. Yeah, orange man bad. You yeah, may be there. But you can't dispute that his border policies worked. Yeah. You may not like him, but you cannot dispute the policies worked. Other countries have border policies. No. I don't understand. No, wait a second, Dallas. Are you saying that other countries protect their borders? Yeah. Well, (laughs) it just amazes me why it's a big deal that we do ours. Well, if you look at the ones that don't. Because we got a lot of socialists and communists that want to bring this country down. Yeah. There you go. You're right. And we'll look over in Europe at at some of the countries that don't and look at the problems that that they have from that. Right. In the policy, in the countries that do have borders and strict border laws, don't have those problems. Yeah. And and I I failed to I I can't get anybody to give me the reasoning behind open borders. What 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 solid reasoning people, is there for that? People that want to end our country want this. It it changes the makeup of our country. Yeah, we're a melting pot, but when you invite people in that that do not want American values, that's something that needs to be addressed. Well, you know, it's almost like you're cut, you're cutting your own throat. That's what I don't understand about these people. If you want to ruin this country economically, with and then if you want to ruin the country with more drugs and things like that— and that's your goal. What purpose does that serve you? I mean, well, it's people like hate their people. People in other countries do not like Americans. They don't like America. They don't like capitalism. They cannot have. Um, they cannot. As long as America is alive and thriving, they cannot obtain the goals that they want to attain for the world. And that is the problem with America being America. Well, we have a, we have that problem here because we have Americans that don't want to be Americans, that don't love this country, that don't want this country to stay the same. Right. We have people in office. And, and so when we say people from other countries want to tear our country down, I, it's not that I get it, but... I, you know, I can see it, but I can't understand why people that were born here that are Americans want to see our country tore down, fail, and be another third world country. Because that's where it's going. Brainwashed. I mean, I mean that's where it's going. And if you think it can't happen, people say, oh, it can't happen. Look well, at Venezuela. Absolutely. And now they're all, the Venezuelans are coming, you know, here. They're coming yeah. here because they want capitalism. They're not coming here because they want to spread socialism. No, they, they're they're com- coming here because here they're because tired. we've got dogs. Yeah. They ate all theirs. That's right. Yeah. So now they and they can't afford over. a loaf of bread, so here they are coming here. And I guarantee you those people do not want socialism. They want capitalism. Uh, so there I have a problem with the narrative that I see on the news because it doesn't match up with the people that I know that come into our country. They want capitalism. They want conservatism. They want traditional family values. But um, the people that run the media and have bad 
intentions for our nation. They want us all fighting against each other. And we can't come up with real solutions to solve this problem. And it's going to be the end of our country as we know it. I can tell you this, the the people that come across the border that want to find work. Right. Okay, I'll take roofers, for example. Okay, a um, few months ago we had our roof redone because of hail damage. And the crew that came out, none of them spoke English right. except, the, except the foreman. Right. But every one of those guys worked their butt off. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not socialism. No, that's not... I think those people would be fine with paying taxes. They are. They want. They I want to pay tax. They want to be. They want to have a driver's license. They want to have a bank account. They want. Yeah. They want to be a, the American dream. That's why yeah. they care. They want the American dream. But the, the people that want us to tear each other apart keep, you know, beating the war drum of and, a false narrative, and we can't. We cannot find real solutions if we are trying to solve problems. Based on lies. Well, they, I think the Democrats painted themselves in a corner thinking that by opening the borders and getting people, that you're right, they thought that those were going to automatically transfer into votes. Being loyal to Democrats. They are not raised in America. They don't know about Democrat loyalty. Yeah. What they know about is how they were raised, and most of them were raised with traditional family values, and they want to continue traditional family values in America with the American dream, not in a socialist country. Well, I think country. It, it backfired on them, and now that they see that they're not getting the Latino vote and the in the go-along that they thought they were going to get, but they paint themselves in corners to what do they do now. Latin now, I, X now, now have, is a perfect example. It backfired. I have to jump in a little bit here because <laughs> you're, you're, the two of you are – painting a false narrative whether you, you know it yes you think so absolutely absolutely i don't know the people who come in from central america hate the police number one they're not going to deal well, with no, our, i'm talk, yeah, no, you're wait, talking wait, about wait, the wait, bad wait, guys wait, wait, wait. well i'm talking about the good guys who have been mistreated you're by right. the police no, and no, that's companies. true they don't, yeah, they've been raised right. to be uh, uh, afraid so they don't they don't work with our police department the way that uh, we would want them well they're then that's very, why they need to be id'd so they can hit the road well, but you can't ID people with false IDs. You know, it's just like discrimination. You can't fight discrimination with more discrimination. Hey, but we're allowing transgenders to get false IDs. Which I have problems with. But, I, you know. No, you're right. You're right, messed Dave. Up. The it, whole thing's completely messed you're, up. You're right that the people coming over here have a, a distrust and disdain for law enforcement because of the law enforcement they were dealing with that in their they own only country. know about that's right, right. and you no, your point is exactly right they do they do and that's all the more reason to follow the immigration laws to people can assimilate yeah. and people can assimilate and in in and find that it's a different deal the way the problem is now is you have good you have good people that are just wanting to uh, take care of their family they come over here, but all they've ever dealt with was corrupt police. That's right. So, of course, they're going to have a distrust. distrust. Of okay. And, they're, and they're not supposed to be here. So that let makes me, you also distrustful. Let me point out some, some facts to you right now. Border Patrol agents apprehended over 10,000 illegal immigrants a day on both Monday and Tuesday. That's according to Customs and Border Protections. Uh, that's not including how many 
gotaways there were. It marks the highest single-day totals ever recorded ahead of the end of Title 42 public health order later this week. Where That means we got tw- over almost 30,000 people that came across the border in two days. So where are you going to put all of them while you try to figure out who the hell they are? You put them in the districts with the U.S. senators and U.S. congressmen that want this. Well, what you do you is do what do, Trump you did. Be, but you make them stay in Mexico <laughs> yeah. is what you do. Yeah. Well, they're but, in here. But they're, uh, you know, the way <laughs> and nobody's, it, the way and it, nobody's it's making up. them leave. So let's well, put them where they of, want them. Of the, of the president of the United States, who's given up our country then to anybody need, who wants yeah. to come then here. Then they, they need to put them over there where the president what lives. I'm, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to point out here is that these people discard their identification and everything before they come into the country. You can't just make up names with these people that won't make make any difference because they're going to leave they're going to throw away that piece of paper and they'll go by whatever name they want to go by i understand what you're saying yeah you're exactly right you i know? just think doing something is better than not doing anything well doing something that will work but it ain't going to work right I, now i'm like when, general Patton. when i'm fighting when about i'm, when the, I'm you know, fighting well that's fine as long as i plan. as long as i don't <laughs> when i'm with general Patton, when i'm not fighting against the politicians when I'm trying to fight World War II, and, we'll, and we're doing that uh, right now. Chester wants to join us. So let, let me get... Let come me, on, Chester. Uh, come on. All right. <laughs> what, what do you got for me, Chester? I agree with what you're saying chester but here's the problem all right to be honest with you is that uh, it's not going to do any good it hasn't no. done any good yet no. i mean we've been doing it for a year now and what we have is we got all these sanctuary cities you know they always want to puff out their chest and say we're a sanctuary city but don't send anybody who needs sanctuary to us we don't want them Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 